It's Andra Zaharia. I'm Dave Smythe. And this is the Cyber Empathy Podcast. By taking an empathetic approach to technology, we can create space for positive change and healthy relationships to grow. We share stories of kindness, curiosity, and connection that show how we can all shape online privacy and security. Thanks for being here. In today's episode, Andrew talks to Baptiste Robert, an ethical hacker and founder of Predictor Lab. The conversation looks at various aspects of open source intelligence, what OSINT is, and the roles it can play, along with the emotional impact of working in this space. Baptiste also shares some great practical ways we can all use OSINT principles to protect ourselves online. Let's get to it. Baptiste, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to talk to you and to talk about such an important topic, not just for this particular moment, but for our lives in general. So thank you so much for making the time to be on the podcast. And I wanted to start by asking you, how do you practice and encourage empathy in your work to find this information? Because I think that most people do not see this dimension of emotional labor to the work that you do. First, uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's an honor for me to, to be on this podcast, so I'm, I'm really happy to be here. So cyber can be a very complicated space in terms of emotion, and, and especially uh, innocent, for example, because when you are looking for images when you are working for example or for cyber when you are doing incident response uh, you are directly going to the client uh, the situation can be very nasty and uh, it can be super complicated for the client because the client has been attacked all his system are done he can do anything he can see all the business issue he will have and so you have to handle uh, the technical situation for sure uh, you are a cyber expert and you have to understand the situation understand what hap- what happened but also you have some uh, at the other side of the screen you have some humans and you have to to work uh, with them you have to understand that situation on on take uh, this into consideration when you are doing your technical job too. It can be very complicated. So this is for, in my opinion, this is for the cyber part, but also for the OSINT part. And this is something I'm I'm really focused this last uh, month and years. It can be super complicated when you are working on a a specific topic. For example, right now we have an ongoing conflict in Ukraine you can see some very bad pictures. You can see some some fights, some dead body, some stuff like this, and you are alone in front of your screen. And in terms of emotion, it can, it can be super complicated. And this is why you need to have an, uh, a specific hygiene. You need to stand up sometimes to get out of your screen sometimes, to don't put the sound uh, on most of the time, or to take care of who is around you uh, because a lot of us are working uh, at home uh, from home at the moment you cannot do anything if you are in your living room your kids are around and you will not watch uh, i don't know a not so good uh, video so to sum up i would say that we are technical people cyber is 
the first thing in cyber this is a this is a technicality most of us are passionate by this we like the technical challenge we like to find solution to a very complicated issue but we also have to understand and i think this is something which is missing in our field we have to understand that these systems in general these computers are used by humans who are most of the time, not technical at all, who don't care about the techniques uh, at all, and they just want to have something which is working. And when something is not working, when something, when the situation is bad, they don't understand and they panic. This is a normal human reaction, but as a technical people, as a People who have the knowledge, we have uh, the duty to take this into consideration, to just pause what we are doing and to explain what we are doing, what is the situation in simple words. I really appreciate you emphasizing that. And, and I wanted to just bubble up to the surface two things, two very important things that you mentioned. First of all, this idea of explaining things. I, I found that the most kind of the most empathetic, kind and generous people in cybersecurity take a lot of time out of the personal schedule and, and they invest a lot of energy into explaining things for other people, how they work, how they think, how they do their work, how they cultivate their knowledge and skills. And this is even for me as a person with a non-technical background inside working in cybersecurity, this has been one of the biggest and most important resources for learning and for also developing this this commitment and this emotional attachment to this kind of work and finding meaning in it and connection to other people. So I think that this is incredibly important and I'm very thankful to you and everyone else who does this. And the second aspect that you mentioned that I think is very important is to have this hygiene, this, this focus on our mental health to be able to kind of keep our rational thinking, our critical thinking, and to maintain a balance between being informed but not being overwhelmed because overwhelm never leads to good decisions or clear thinking. So I was wondering, how do you do that for yourself? Because you, as through your work and through your interests, you sift through enormous volumes of information, you know, trying to find patterns and trying to distinguish manipulation from truth in very complex situations. How do you do that for yourself? And where is a point that you started being interested in this journey? I don't think I am a, a good example, <laughs> to be honest. I'm working on too many things at the same time. And for sure, this is uh, not a good way to do it. But I mean, this is what I choose to do. I do have a lot of things at the same time, but I'm trying to be really organized and uh, to know what I have to do. I have a lot of things to do, but uh, I know what I have to do. And I'm trying to have the correct priority on every task I have to do. Because I created my own company. I'm working for different companies. Also, I have some, some clients. Uh, so I have a lot of things to do, but this is a mindset for me. This is how oh, I'm, I'm working well with with that. Multitasking is the way my, let's say, my brain is connected. I like to work like this, but for most of the people, I don't think this is a good way to, to do it. And as you said, even for me, I need to disconnect sometimes. And this is why we have weekend. So you have to take care of your family, spend some time with the family. And this is super important to take this time also because we are 
technical people used to have uh, some personal project. I don't have time to have personal project anymore, but I'm I'm trying to to focus on the things who are really important. And so, for example, I was tweeting a lot these last years. I tried to reduce a lot my tweet frequency, let's say it like this, because when I'm tweeting something, I'm trying to, to have some interesting content, something I worked a, a little bit on and something people can learn. I, I want people to learn something from, from what I'm tweeting. And so I'm trying to be useful, to focus my time on what is important and to balance everything. But uh, I'm not, uh, again, I'm not a very uh, a good example on that. Honestly, I think that many of us are not, but the fact that we're striving and that we're constantly kind of trying to improve our process so we can make it as sustainable as we can, I think that that is the best effort that we anyone can do. And again, being you know the kind of leader in the space that you are comes with a big burden and a big. Uh, kind of it's a big task so i i can imagine that some imbalance is always kind of present somewhere in our lives and, and perhaps this is something that we all feel current situation is a good example because we have an ongoing conflict in ukraine for example and the, a lot of people in the ocean community are working very hard to do some localization on videos to try to archive everything to understand the situation, to try to give some real time, to collect evidence, to collect videos, image, to try to give a real time situation. This is just an insane work. Uh, you have a lot of things to collect. It's, it's just uh, crazy how many videos, how many images, how many medias you, you have right now. And so I know that some people, for example, stay in front of the of the screen for yesterday at the beginning of the conflict uh, more than 24 hours in front of the screen without sleeping without nothing and, and this is not good this is useful and i know why they are doing that because when you have this power the the power to understand what is happening you have the capability you have the skills to understand a, a very complex situation you feel the need you have like a duty to to do something you you want to do something because you have the skill to do it and this is why you push your boundaries this is why you push your limits to say okay i need to stay uh, to stay up I, I need to to do it right now because i feel this is important this is why we need to balance our effort. This is a critical moment, but people need to balance their effort and also to not rush up. And this is what I was tweeting uh, yesterday. When you do, for example, when you manage to find the localization of a video, you can feel very happy and you want to, to publicly uh, publish it. But sometimes you give critical information to the other side because for example, in this conflict, you have two sides and obviously everyone is looking at internet in general. Everyone is looking at social networks. And when the uh, Ukrainian or Russian find localization of someone of, on the other side, this is a critical information uh, and this information can be used for real life. And with 
real life consequences and this is why yes we have some skills we can do some stuff but we we have to take care of what we are doing absolutely and especially because things are so complex and they're so volatile also ephemeral in the space and the digital space i think that we think because sometimes technology feels simple to use, we think that it is simple. If we're outside of the sphere and we have nothing to do with cybersecurity and privacy, disinformation and, and everything that's going on. But when you take a closer look, all of this complexity comes out of the woodwork. And I think that you did an excellent job at explaining how difficult it is to try to work with all of these nuances and potential risks and unintended consequences that even the people with the best intentions can create without obviously wanting to do so. So I, I was wondering if you could explain for people who have no, let's say, connection and have never heard of open source intelligence, what that is and what principles you, you try to follow in your work to make sense of all of this data and information and how people like regular individuals might use these principles to have just a more, let's say, a stronger self-awareness and a bit of a more cautious attitude in what they do. So open source OSINT is for open source intelligence. And so you have two parts in this, open source and intelligence. The first thing uh, people have to realize um, is you have a lot of personal information. You have a lot of information on the internet because you right now, everyone has a normal life. You have the real life and you have a digital life. On your digital life, you have some accounts on social networks. Maybe you have some accounts on, on forums. You posted some uh, some reviews of restaurants, for example. So you, you did some stuff on the internet. On this stuff, when you did that, you leave some traces uh, behind you. And OSINT, when you are doing an OSINT investigation, you will collect all the traces. If I'm interested uh, by you, I will collect all the potential traces you, you left behind you. And I will add some intelligence on it. And this is uh, really the key word. OSINT is not just the collect of information. OSINT is a way to collect the correct information and to add some sense on it to be able to create some links between the data, to be able to tell a story and to understand what happened. And uh, for example, who, who is the person we are interested in? So if, for example, I'm looking at me, I will find a lot of information about cybersecurity, about OSINT on Twitter, on on news article, these kind of things. And I will try to understand who is this guy? Uh, where is, uh, I don't know where he's living, these kind of things, uh, what he what he like. And you will use internet, you will use the internet to collect information and then you will analyze this information in order to understand a situation. And for example, you have a, a very great ex examples 
of uh, OSINT investigation. With, uh, with OSINT, you can, um, some people manage to understand some very complex situation like some drug trafficking, some, some, mur- some murders. Um, they manage to, to understand uh, who was behind a malware attack. Um, so you, you have a lot of different situations where OSINT uh, can be a, a key a key point in general, and, and this is what people have to understand. OSINT is only one part of an investigation. It's very, very r- rare that you can find a solution to find, uh, you can finish an investigation only with OSINT, but it's always a part of some something bigger, but OSINT can be really, really useful. It definitely is. And I think that when people are listening to this, I hope that they take a moment to, you know, pause and use this perspective to look at themselves, to look at their own, um, you know, digital footprint. Many people have never Googled themselves. They have never tried to see, you know, what's out there about themselves. But with that, let's say, objective perspective, with that space, like it's stepping outside of yourself and and looking at your own identity on the internet as someone else would, because that is a powerful moment of realization of really acknowledging that our digital footprint is wildly out of control for most people. And they have no idea how far spread their data is and how much data they're leaving on the internet. And that, you know, makes you think that could, because of course, open source intelligence is something that defenders use, but that also attackers and scammers use very effectively. And the more data you have, of course, the easier their job is going to be. I mean, the simplest example that I could share right now is that home burglars actually, you know, look at people's social media posts and they know when they're going on vacation, for how long, where they live, what stuff they have in their house, because it's all there. It's all on the internet. So it makes their jobs, uh, quote unquote jobs, um, very easy to do. And it makes it very easy for people to do harm. So this is, I believe, in this discipline and, and its role. And I think that it creates that connection between the more complex technical aspects of cybersecurity and privacy and the very, very real impact that cybercrime, scams, and many other types of malicious activity have on people. So I was wondering, you know, what kind of reactions do you get from people when, when you lead these investigations, when you get involved in them? What kind of emotional reactions do they have when they realize how exposed they are and how much information is out there? Do they have an aha moment? Do they change their behavior afterwards? What have you seen happens after this process? It can be really different uh, depending on the of the of the person I have in front of me, but what we are doing, uh, so I created a company called uh, Predictalab, and, and what we are doing at Predictalab is we created a software. Uh, basically, we have a web app which is able, uh, you, you just enter your name, a username, or an email, or a phone number, and we are collecting all the digital footprint we have on this particular identifier. So this is exactly what we are doing. So to repeat what, what, what you just said, people don't realize 
that there are a lot of information on them uh, on the internet. And so what uh, my, my first idea was to say, okay, they don't realize it. So I will create a tool to show them that we can very easily uh, find a lot of information about them. When, you, when we use our tool for our clients, we just enter the name and find a lot of information and sometimes a lot of very personal information, which are public. Oh, this information is public. There is no issue on that, but they gave this information publicly on social networks uh, in, in general. And uh, the first reaction was, oh, okay, I didn't think that uh, I left that uh, on social network. Ah, I, I didn't know that it was public. The more we find if information, uh, the more they they start to be to be afraid of what we can find. In general, the main reaction is to be afraid of what we manage to find, because when we are able, for example, to find with only a name uh, to find all your family and to find that, okay, you were with your family at this time, uh, you live here, your personal address is that, you drive this kind of car, of these kind of things, uh, they start to be really afraid of, uh, of, the, of the situation. And in general, regarding what we are doing at Predictalab, we're trying to work with some high potential uh, people. So it can be uh, uh, CEOs, it can be politicians, and these kind of people have a very particular thread model. They do have some enemies. Uh, they do have some people who don't like them. And when we manage to show, show this kind of information, um, it can be a big, big issue for them. Because, for example, if you are a politician and some, someone from the other side who is a little bit crazy want to go to your home and just to uh, fight with you, this is a, a potentially uh, a threat for, for you. So uh, this kind of information can be really, really important too. And you need to do all, all you can do uh, in order to remove this kind of information. What I noticed since I started to, to, to work on that is in all the different levels of the society, um, everyone is concerned. I mean, from the, the president to all the biggest uh, CEO of the, of the biggest company, and everyone is concerned. Uh, this is not something just for um, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, everyone. It is really for everyone. We are all concerned and we have to do this kind of assessment regularly. This is not some uh, one-shot assessment when, when you are saying, okay, I'm doing that in January and I will, I will see next year. No, no, you have to do it uh, all the time. And uh, you have to repeat this assessment because you have a real life, you are doing some stuff in real life, but also you have your digital life. And this is super important to understand that in your digital life, you are doing stuff every day too. You are adding information uh, every day. And so you the, potentially you will add more information, more personal information. You will give some, some key information to your enemies, to your adversary, uh, potentially every day. So you have to be really careful on what you are writing, what you give uh, to the internet. 
I couldn't have summed it up better. And I think that this is a very powerful statement. And it does two things. First of all, it emphasizes, you, you rightfully emphasize the fact that it is important for us to realize that once the information is out there, it is much more difficult to delete and to remove from the internet because information travels and it ends up in servers and places on the internet that we have no control over. So the best thing to do is not to put it out there in the first place. But if we do put it out there, it's, it's good to at least be aware of most of the stuff that we're putting out there, sometimes not all of it, because we are only human and have our limits. But this is important. And I'm really glad to hear that, you know, CEOs and leaders and, and people who have some sort of influence and, and are in positions of power, realize that this is important, because perhaps this is a trigger for them to develop more empathy for, you know, customers of their companies, for people whose lives their work impacts in any way and their decisions affect. And I hope that with this realization and self-awareness comes a bit more kindness and, and empathy and generosity with what other people go through in case of a data breach involving, you know, their customers' data and, and other things in that area. I wanted to ask you a particular thing that came up, especially in the past few months, there have been all of these highly publicized stories about scammers of all kinds, you know, Netflix documentaries and, and whatnot, and, and all sorts of journalists reporting on all sorts of different scams, very elaborate ones. So I was wondering, do you think that people could use a couple of simple open source intelligence principles to figure out if the person on the other side that they're trying to do business with or that they might feel some emotional connection with is a scammer or not. Can these principles be used in this way to, to help people kind of find this information in these particular contexts? Yes, for sure. There is always some, some methods and some, some good check before doing anything. In terms of scam, what people have to understand is uh, the human nature is we all have the same weakness. I mean, for some people, it will be ego. Some other, it will be money. It can be uh, ideology. And another, and uh, this is the last one, is uh, contrition. So this is what we call the MICE uh, framework. And in general, you can play on one of these for thing uh, in order to manipulate someone. And for example, if you don't have, uh, if you have money issue, if you owe own, uh, own money to someone, I can play on it. If you need money, I can play on it in order to do, uh, to manipulate you and do what I want to do. Ideology is a very powerful uh, thing also in order to push you to, to do something. At the end of the day, we are all human, and uh, these four things are very useful to manipulate people. And when you have something fishy in front of you, you have to uh, step back a little bit. And this is the, the biggest issue we have right now, is we want to react uh, directly. We want to tweet directly. We want to uh, publish something right now. And we don't take the time to understand the situation, to think about it. And so for me, this is the, the, the so the main advice I will give is step back, 
think about the situation, try to understand the situation, don't react Im immediately to the situation, ask questions. And, and this is, for me, cybersecurity is mainly asking the correct questions. And if you ask the correct the correct question, you will have the correct solutions. And for OSINT, and this is what why I'm, I like OSINT too, this is the same logic. Uh, you will ask some question. I'm looking for something. I'm looking for someone. And what I need to look for someone, I need first to look, I need to find where this person is living. How can I find where this person is, li is living? This is really the mindset you have to to take on, and for example, uh, there is an uh, there is an example I'm I'm giving a lot in in conferences. When you are at the airport, you are at the airport, you are waiting for your plane, you want to connect to the Wi-Fi. You open your computer, connect to the Wi-Fi, and you will have a, a captive portal which asks you to enter uh, an email address. The first reaction will be to, okay, you ask me an email address, I will give an email address, but just pause two seconds and ask yourself the question, okay, why you need my email address? What you will do with that? Do, we, do it need really my email address to, to connect myself to the internet? No. Is it working if I give a fake email address? Maybe, let's try. And in general, you would see that if you give a fake email address, it, it will work and uh, there is no issue to, to be connected to the internet. So this is really the main advice. Don't react immediately, ask yourself questions. And uh, there is a second thing people have to understand is because we all have good parents, uh, we we have been raised with uh, the use to say, to, to say the truth. People don't in general don't lie. This is not, in real life, this is not good to lie, to lie, for sure. But on the internet, this is a little bit different. Uh, you have the right to lie. Uh, you have the right to change your identity. You have to change your identity regularly. It's not because a website is asking you your phone number. It's not because a website is asking you your email address, your, uh, your address, that you have to give the real email address. And this is something important. If it is not needed for the service, if uh, the website doesn't really need it, you don't have to give it. And if this is mandatory, give some, something fake. It's not, it's not an issue. These are such important pieces of advice, and thank you for, for taking the time to distill something that's very complex in the background into something that everyone can use and, and use it very simply. Because, yes, you, I think you made an excellent point about the fact that we are so used to giving real and true information about ourselves simply because we believe that that is right, and it is still right, but you do have that right to protect yourself just like you said, to kind of anonymize yourself a little bit and to just fiercely protect our identities as they start to kind of 
fragment and, and spread all over the place, which has never happened before in the history of human evolution and, and society. This has never happened before. There were never the means for our personal information to become scattered across the world, literally, uh, even though we can see it. And I think that that's what the trouble is with many of these concepts around cybersecurity and privacy is that people do not see them and they're so abstract. They're so far removed from their lives that they don't even realize, you know, yes, but I'm not an important person, but yes, but I have nothing to hide. There are all these counter arguments that people use to just disengage from these topics. And, and I'm glad that there are many people like you who do this important work of explaining the connections, those unseen connections between their very real lives and their very real presence on the internet because there are no boundaries now and the internet is not just for play, it is so much for work, for maintaining social stability and for so many other things that we're becoming aware as we go on. So thank you for, for all of these details. And just one last thing that I wanted to ask you is if you could share with us an experience where you felt empathy from other people in your work or in the wider cybersecurity community and, and what that felt like. I do believe that these are stories that are important for other people to see, to see that there is a lot of kindness and a lot of help and a lot of support in these communities and beyond them, because I don't think that we talk about them that often in the bigger sphere. One of my biggest success, I think, on the this I was really happy the first time it happened to me was when a young adult came to me uh, during a conference and told me, thank you very much for what you are doing. I'm following you uh, for years on Twitter. You gave me the passion to cybersecurity. You gave me the will to, to work in cybersecurity. And because of you, I choose my studies in this particular area. And right now I managed to get my first job in cybersecurity because I'm just a, a normal guy in France, in Toulouse, sitting. I started all my journey, uh, started on my coach, just tweeting some, some stuff and doing what I, I liked. Uh, I liked and, and that's all. Several years after that, I managed to, to have an impact. And, and this is what I prefer in what I'm doing, is that sometimes on, in some of the story I was involved, I really had a, a big impact on people's lives, lives uh, but also in, in people's security, because sometimes we manage to secure a lot of personal data. This is a weird feeling to to know that you had an impact on, on someone else's life. You don't know this, this person. You Sometimes you tweet something, you publish something, you write an article, you do, I mean, whatever, you do something, and people will read this information, will understand this, is, this information, and will react uh, strongly to that. This is really different. This is not something... Uh, you are used to, and when people are coming to you and say, okay, you, what you are doing is really cool. I managed to get my job thanks to you. Uh, for example, another example, a company, a very big company in France uh, told me, oh, okay, you are this guy, uh, you are Baptiste Robert. We used your tweet in our internal security training. 
because your example was a very good example in what it was a, a tweet about someone making a mistake uh, in, in the French government. And uh, they took this tweet in order to, to, as an example on what people should not do. And this is super cool to know that, okay, uh, directly or indirectly, all your work will be used in order to uh, make to, to improve cybersecurity. So this is this is pretty cool. It really is. And, and again, thank you for sharing that story with us. I think I have felt this many times. I've been uh, that, that young adult that felt that impact for many people in cybersecurity. And it has changed my thinking. It has changed my life. It has changed the way that I see my development as a person. So I applaud both you and the people who, again, do this difficult work that takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of passion. It takes a lot of intellectual effort and a lot of emotional labor as well to do and to do right and to do it consistently. So I I appreciate you and thank you for taking the time to share your experience with us and with everyone who's listening. I hope that many more people resonate with these messages and find something that they can take with them from this episode. Even if it's one thing, that one thing can have a big impact and it can lead to a compound effect that we don't even suspect and we might not see. But I hope that this happens and I know that it will help people the way that you do your work and uh, the way that you show up for the community. So thank you so, so much. Thanks to you. And and something uh, I wanted to add is also don't hesitate to talk with people. It's not because someone is uh, famous in, in his sector. It's not because this person seems to be really busy. Don't hesitate to message people. Don't hesitate to communicate with people to try to, to create a link with them. Because in general, and this is something I noticed all along my journey, people are very nice in general. Even in in situation uh, in complicated situation, people want to uh, want to help, and uh, especially in cybersecurity, because we all understand that this is complicated. Everything is complicated, and and uh, there is no simple situation. So, if you have issue, if you have questions, don't hesitate to send emails, to communicate on social network, to send private message. It's super important for influencer for leaders for everyone to give an example and to share the knowledge because i mean there is work for everyone and um, we have a lot of work to do in in cybersecurity. that's a very generous perspective and i think a, a most empowering thing to to say so thank you once again this was uh, this was wonderful thanks for joining us for show notes and links from this episode head to cyberempathy.org where you can also find resources to guide you to a healthier, more comfortable relationship with technology. And if you have a question for us, or if there's a topic you'd like us to discuss, we'd love to hear from you too.